Hello, and welcome to Serious About Sustainability, a podcast series brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric's Ikadan air source heat pump. I'm Max Halliwell from Mitsubishi Electric, and this is a series of podcasts all about renewable home heating. We'll be covering a range of topics from the perspective of UK homeowners, self-builders, contractors, and housing associations. Our show today is called Modern Methods of Construction, a Building Revolution. And I'm pleased to welcome my guest, George Clark, architect and Ecodan ambassador. Hello, George. Good to see you again. And you, Max. Are you well? Yeah. Okay. Bearing up in these uh, very, very strange new times we're getting used to living in. So today we're going to be talking about um, Modern Methods of Construction, or MMC for short. I know you're um, obviously an expert in this area. Um and really looking at the implications of this for the UK and just to educate our listeners really in terms of yeah. what this what this means. Well, it's probably worth starting with what MMC does mean because you say modern methods of construction. Yeah. And so what does that what, mean? What's that like, all about? What, what is that all about? I mean, uh, one part of it, a big part of it at the minute is kind of factory built homes. Can we build homes in factories in a more efficient way to raise, I suppose, the quality and design and build standards. It doesn't all have to be just on site because obviously you can have kind of SIP panel construction, you know, you can have kit houses that could have been manufactured in a factory, but then assembled on site. So a kit form of house, if you like, for a self-builder. So it's all about factory built products. And this has been quite a mini revolution in Britain in the last few years because people have realized that there can be, if it's done in the right way, lots of benefits. Um, So for example, which I've already mentioned, quality and build standards increase because you're in a controlled environment. Of course, yeah. Um, We don't have the best weather in the world. Uh, We have today, it's scorching out there today, but um, you know, it's quite inefficient, isn't it? To build on a building site when it's pouring with rain, snow, windy, quite difficult, environmental conditions for people to build in. You know, if it's freezing cold, you can't really lay bricks because the mortar doesn't go off properly. It doesn't set. Um, Obviously, if you have torrential downpours of rain and high winds, you don't want to be working on roofing, for example. Do you know what I mean? Um, So in some ways, it can create a more efficient way of building a house because you're in a big shed somewhere, a big factory. You can have multiple shifts you know, because most building sites probably start at like 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, 8 to 9, finish at 4, maybe 5 o'clock at the end of the day. But if you've got a factory, you could have two, even three shifts. You know, if, if you were working at your absolute optimum, um, you know, three eight-hour shifts, 24-hour factory. And that's quite amazing when you think about it. It also opens up... Um, kind of interesting work opportunities for people who otherwise couldn't work on a building site. So people with disabilities, for example, um, working on a factory line, they may be able to do that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anybody in a wheelchair working on a building site. You know, it's, you just can't, yeah, it's, 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 it's a just muddy, yeah. muddy, messy site. It's, then it's just not accessible. Where on a factory line, you could do it. Um, you could also have, if you like, a new workforce in construction because we have very conventional trades at the minute, don't we? That's the joiner, that's the electrician, that's a plumber, that's a roofer. 
where actually in factories, people don't necessarily need to have those skills. They just need to be able to connect A to B, B to C and do a number of processes because that's what happens in most factories, doesn't it, really? So it opens up many advantages. The disadvantages for the industry is it takes a lot of investment because someone's got to physically go out there and build a factory and create production lines. But we do it for everything else. I mean, you guys do it for heat pumps, you know, SOS heat pumps, you have a factory. And, and this, this unit, if you like, will go down that line and someone will do a number of tasks that will move on to the next bit and the next bit and the next bit. A lot of people compare it to building cars when we talk about offsite manufacturing or modern methods of construction. Um, and I get that um, because the car industry is very good at you going into a dealership and going, right, I'd like that model, that make. I want to personalize it by having these accessories. I want it in that color. Do you know what I mean? It gives you yeah. options as a buyer. Thank We're you. trying in the industry to give options to people buying a house, uh, but that can be quite difficult because where you can't compare factory-built housing with factory-built cars is we've got to deal with planning. We've got to deal with um, land. You know, there's there's many, many other things that make it, you know, you could buy a car in, I don't know, Watford and take it to Scotland, yeah. you know, but your house needs to sit on a piece of land somewhere. Yeah, Unless it's a can't caravan. walk into the factory and say, I'll have that house and I'll have it in bright yellow. So that's not going to work. Uh, well, at the minute, <laughs> it's not going to work. But there's conversations that have been happening with some quite inventive planners to say, well, actually, we could set up a design code for an area. So let's say you're going to build 100 houses on a site. You could set some design parameters that have been approved under a design statement. Okay, to give the buyer some flexibility. To give them some flexibility. Okay. So just like with a car, you might have a number of different options mm -hmm. and a number of different accessories, and you could order them at the point where you want to buy this house when you're buying it off plan. That's like, that's a brave world. Because <laughs> what if everyone picked yellow? You know, you might have 100 yellow houses on the side. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. I so, like yellow, so, but... So could that also be extended to, um, you know, back to, you know, the infrastructure of the house in terms of, you know, the heating, hot water, yeah, lighting? But 100%, so. 100% because um, I think people want more choice and 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 more flexibility. So, and, and a lot of house builders do this already when it comes to, let's say, kitchens. You know, if you're buying off plan, they'll say, right, you can have this colour, that colour, that colour. If you've bought off plan, you know, not a finished house, obviously. Um, and so you could do that. And, and I think you should have those options. I mean, I think to be able to say, I would like to buy this property off plan, but I want to do it like this, this, and this. So can I have, I will pay an extra bit of money to have solar panels on the roof or solar thermal, or can I have an air source heat pump? Cause I don't want to have a gas boiler. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you yeah. are accessorizing your house. And, and the other brilliant thing about it, I think is, Things built in a factory in a more controlled environment with a good supply chain, because that's what you need. That's what the car industry does. It has a very, very efficient supply chain. You know, if you if you want windscreens for your cars, they get they don't make the windscreens themselves. There's a windscreen manufacturer that does it. And you want them at the factory on that day, you know, when they need to be installed. It's a brilliant system that the yeah, car just, industry. Just in got. time. Just in time. Yeah. Um 
We're not like that in construction. <laughs> the building industry just doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Um, and we do have a bit of an image problem, if I'm honest. Do you know what I mean? A kind of male-dominated industry. If you've got factory-built homes, I think it opens up the possibility for more women to be in construction. So when you look at things like engineering and factories, you look at Dyson's factory, huge number of women in there and people with disabilities as well. And, and I think that's fantastic. You know, it, it changes the image of the industry to open it up to, to more people who might otherwise not want to be part of it. Um, but also I think the house then becomes a manufactured product. I know it's more important than an iPhone or than a car because it's your home but it means your design standards are high, your build quality standards are high. Your checks can be at a much higher standard. So before the house goes out the factory door, someone can literally be checking every single part of it before it leaves the factory. So it gets over snagging. It's awful on building sites at the minute. The, the building industry has got a terrible reputation at the minute for not necessarily having the highest levels of workmanship. And that comes to skilling and stuff like that. Um, and it... Uh, so basically means that someone can say, this has been stamped, this has been quality checked, now it can be delivered. We're snagging on building sites. I mean, some of the big house builders are putting millions and millions in a little kind of war chest because they know they've got to spend it doing repairs on substandard work on site. So do you know what I mean? It, yeah, becomes, yeah. A, it becomes a clean technology. Yep. It becomes more efficient, higher design standards, different skills, different workers, if you like, in that building. So I think it's it's quite an exciting time, I think. It and it's happening, by the way. It sounds I mean, like, yeah, it sounds it, like exciting technology in terms of, um, yeah, as you say, I presume there's less waste, it's cleaner. Um, so I can see some, and we were working with a couple of companies in terms of looking at some synergies, for example, with putting modular homes together with an air source heat pump yep. where you're not, you're, you don't have to have connections to gas, et cetera. You can yep. just literally um, bolt on the heat pump. Yeah, um, cylinders are manufactured all in the factory. So there's no on-site um, joining there, et cetera. So you, have you seen anything like that synergies that potentially could happen yeah. between the technologies? A hundred percent. And what's, what's great about it actually, um, I mean, I, I'm, part of a factory, you know, I'm a director of a modular house building company. So, oh, yeah. you know, just drop that in there. Yeah, no names. Uh, no, no names, no names. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, I do it because I, I kind of, you know, help and advise the board on how we can be more innovative. To be honest with you, I love it. I'm genuinely not doing it for financial reasons at all. It's, it's got links with Morby, my educational charity to get young kids inspired by what I think is a more exciting way of building a house, if I'm honest. Just go into that in a bit more detail. Sounds interesting. Yeah, so Morby, um, this is a, a, a long title. It's the Ministry of Building Innovation and Education, M-O-B-I-E. And I started it because it's something I've been thinking about for years, to be honest with you. Um, it's about inspiring young people to get into home design in whatever form that might be, um, whether it's ecology, whether it's offsite manufacturing, whether it's about um, psychology, you know, the psychology of spaces, whether it's about health and well-being, it could be about nanotechnology, it could be about materials, but it's all about innovative thinking around homes and home design and how we can make beautiful buildings to live in, basically. And I did it because, I mean, I've been in education a bit. I used to teach at universities. Um, I taught at Newcastle and at Nottingham University in architecture and that obviously does a very high level of higher education teaching which is brilliant but actually i wanted to become an architect around the age of 12 
because it was a 12 and I knew what an architect was. But even before that, I knew I wanted to be in the building industry because my granddad was a builder. I used to go to building sites for them back in the day, before the days of health and safety, <laughs> when he could take me on school holidays. Um, and I just, I loved the process of building and Megan, basically. And I was brought up in a new town. And I don't think I even realized until I was much older that I was living in a really innovative piece of experimental town planning and house building and house design and placemaking. And so that kind of got me at about eight, nine years old, 10 years old. And I've seen kind of people become a bit despondent about our industry a little bit and say, oh, it's a bit messy. It's a dirty business. You know, it's too male, um, you know, people swearing on sites, radios blasting, you know, scaffolders, they're interesting, aren't they? You know, chucking couplings around and scaffold poles at each other. Um, you know, the wolf whistling stuff, you know, whistling the girls going, it's, it's not great. And, and in fairness, the industry's done a lot to try and change that, um, which I think is fantastic. But I think we've got a bit of an image problem. And I think also you've got young people who are probably more inspired by other industries out there. And that's mainly because of the kind of technological revolution. So a lot of kids will want to work for you. I don't know, your Googles and your Facebooks or whatever. You know, they, want, they might go and want to work for Jaguar Land Rover to do car design and manufacturing. And it's cool, isn't it? It's like great yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And then you say to someone, do you want to be a house builder? And they go, nah, not really. I you know, want to do something sexier than that. So I just thought, is there a way that we could inspire kids to think differently? about homes and home design. And some of it's just really simple stuff. We've done loads of design challenges over the years. And our first one, we invited um, school kids from like 12 to 16. And then we invited some um, construction students who were like 16 to 18 and a couple of university groups to enter in. And I just said, look, we're not going to judge people at different levels. Just everyone just puts their ideas in. Because I think why should someone not have a brilliant idea at the age of 12 and, and not be better than someone who's 23 and at university? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If, it, if it's about free thinking and, and being inspired and being open to think differently. And I was just blown away that um, out of all of these entries, there was the most fantastic project. I mean, it was, I they even had a name for their company. It was called Hexahome because it was based on the... Um, the hexagon of a beehive as a modular, as a strong modular structure. And could you add these modules on to build a house or a village in a very, very different way? And out of all the people that entered, from even university students and construction students, it was a 14-year-old girls' school, all girls Fantastic. from Nottingham, won it. And it was brilliant. And I, I realized I was onto something because, you know, you have an idea. Is it going to work? Is it going to take off? Um, and I just knew after that design review and competition that we got onto something brilliant because we were just inspiring people to do free thinking and quite innovative thinking about what the potential of a home could be. So that's what we do. We do all sorts of stuff with schools. We've got, we have got higher education, further education courses. So we've got BTECs, um, and advanced home construction. Uh, we've got, MSCs and Advanced Home Futures, uh, places like Birmingham University are running our course. Teesside University run the courses as well. So that's quite advanced stuff. But if I'm honest, the stuff I get really excited about is the design stuff with school kids. Because if you capture them at, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, then it could be a really uh, It's quite amazing feature. seeing school kids at that kind of age already understanding renewables and low carbon. Yeah, 100%. It's 
and, and they'll even say to me, well, where's that material from? You know, why do you do it like that? Why do you do it like that? And I love that inquisitive mind, that kind of questioning all the time. It's, it's brilliant. It's actually really refreshing. And do you, know what, do you know where it all started? You're going to think I'm mad, right? I basically would get a sheet of A4 paper and I would just put it in front of someone, right? And I did it to my mum. And I went, design your dream house. I want you to draw it now. And nearly everybody would go, I can't draw. No, I can't draw. Shut up. If you can make a mark on a piece of paper, you can draw, right? And to be honest, you probably drew really well when you were seven, eight, nine, ten. But we just stopped doing it because we do like more boring stuff now. You know what I mean? And my mum drew, and I, she's going to kill me for saying this. I thought she was going to draw the classic play school house. You know, the kind of four sash windows, front door in the middle, little windy path up to it, two chimneys, pitched roof. And she went, there you go. And she did it in about four minutes. And she did this 3D kind of axonometric drawing, which even that blew me away, of a single story house, really modern, like really quite minimal, really, with a courtyard in the middle. And I was like, I was blown away, right? I said, why have you done that? She went, well, I think a single story house would be really good because when I get older, I don't want to have to go up and down the stairs. And I love a courtyard in the middle because it means the grandkids can play there really safely and I can watch them all the time. Boom. Lovely. That's architecture. That's architecture. Anybody can do it. Anyone. Even my mum. You know what I mean? Anybody can do it. So, I mean, you should do it now when we finish this. Anyone listening now, when you finish this podcast, just get a sheet of O4 paper and set yourself a challenge of drawing your dream house and try and do it in like five or six minutes. Don't even overthink it. Just sketch and draw and do it. <laughs> I'm laughing because Max has just drawn on a piece of paper, a really boring pitched roof house with four windows and a door in the middle and a windy path up to it. If that's your dream home, Max, that's absolutely it's, it's fine. The last thing I could draw. That's absolutely that's fine. That's fantastic. That's, and, and that's why I started Moby. It's, it's, it's the best thing I've ever done. Actually. Inspiring innovation. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it's great, isn't it? But straight away it becomes exciting. Yeah, it really does. Like, and I think sometimes the industry will go, oh, you should be a plumber. You should be an electrician. Now there's nothing wrong with that. Of course there's not. But some people will go, an electrician, oh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. If you said, do you want to work in a factory that does the most incredible, innovative, clean tech, ecological homes the world has ever seen? Do you want to be part of that business? Poof, I'm in. You know what I mean? A lot of young kids would really want to do that. A lot of girls would want to do it. A lot of women would want to do it. People with disabilities, I think, would have more access to that and really be part of it. And don't just have to be sitting at a desk. They could be on the factory floor. Do you know what I mean? It's, I just, I love, I love questioning stuff and thinking how can we do things differently and better and in a more beautiful way. The Mitsubishi Electric Ikadan Air Source Heat Pump switch from fossil fuels like oil, LPG and storage heaters to clean, renewable home heating. Visit ultraquietecodan.co.uk for more information. Ecodan, serious about sustainability. Don't get me wrong, I love, you know, great joiners and great brickies and great stonemasons. And we've got 20 odd million existing homes out there that need to be regularly refurbished and maintained and looked after. So you will get some people in the industry going, oh, well, you know, 
homes are going to be built by robots, so that means we're going to have loads of unemployment. It's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, it just isn't. There's more than enough work around to keep all of the existing skilled workers in their jobs. But the nice thing about, I think, having a more consistent flow of better quality house building in a factory is it gives more long-term job security. What I don't like, so the reason why I'm saying that is, let's say if you've got a number of factories around the country manufacturing a number of homes, you could be working in that factory all your life, 50 years, 60 years. Do you know what I mean? You could do that because there's a constant sustainable flow of work. The system now, boom and bust, boom and bust. I know some brilliant tradesmen who are now truck drivers or working in Tesco's. Do you know what I mean? Because they've just had to go and get another job because the work's dropped off in their area. So you could have regional factories, which is keeping a more consistent flow of jobs in a, I was going to say a centralized location, because, but, but what I'm getting at is the house can be built anywhere in the factory, put on the back of a lorry and delivered to site. What you won't get through having a factory is let's say there's a site down the road and a thousand houses are being built and they take on local chippies and bricklayers. When that site's finished, they've got to go and get another job because the site is not in their area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So this allows you to have a more stable workforce, really. Every single factory that I know that has a real engineering manufacturing side to it is always doing R&D. Mitsubishi Electric must be doing R&D. You must have an R&D team yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, we spend a considerable budget every yeah. year. Constantly, constantly trying to improve and make it better and hopefully more affordable and more efficient and more ecological. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. House building, forget it. The R&D in the home building industry is rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And we still build houses like the Romans did. We put a bit more insulation in. You know, we've got double glazing in. But if you think the Romans would dig a hole in the ground, put concrete in, build up the brickwork, put the timber roof trusses on, you know, tile it. Do you know what I mean? That's how yeah. we still build houses. It's we just, a, we just... It's a bit like... We've um, got some drainage now and we've got some insulation. I'm being flippant, yeah. as you can tell, but... It's, it's still quite an antiquated way of building a house. And I think it's nuts. I think it's absolutely bonkers that we have to spend a huge amount of time getting foundations in, walls up, to try and get the roof on as quick as you can to create a controlled environment for people to work inside and do the rest of the trades. And then we always have to wait for the glass because most of the time you've got to wait until the openings are formed to then measure and check to make sure it's been built properly before the windows are then ordered. Do you know, I mean, you can't get standard ones of standard sizes. That's the ideal. But most of the time, you're still waiting for the glass to turn up just because of the processes that we have to go through. And then what's nuts, once we have got it wind and watertight, we then have loads of trades on site at the same time, all trying to do different things and all using wet trades. So we pour screed, you know, sand cement screed. Got to wait until that goes off, you know. If someone's tiling a bathroom, yeah, you can't have a tiler in there when a chippy's trying to do his work. The tiler just wants that room to himself. He's got to bond everything. Then he's got to grout it. You've got to wait, look, he's got to seal it. No one can go in. And then you've got someone who's still rushing doing sanding work and chippy work when the paint is in a room over there and the dust is going into the paint. Do you know what I mean? So we're always waiting. Like, I always think skimming, plaster skimming a room is the daftest thing in the world. I mean, it's a hell of a job. I mean, I've tried to do it and I'm rubbish at it. I'm crap. When you say a good plasterer, it's like an art. But why are we doing it? 
you're taking some sloppy mush and you're trying to make it look like a smooth board. Just build it out of a smooth board. Do you know what I mean? So everything's got to dry. Then you move in and over the next six months, you get cracks appearing everywhere because the house is still drying out and you've put the heating on and maybe you haven't read the instruction manual for your air source heat pump and you've put it at 24 degrees rather than at 18. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I would never do that. But you know what I mean? Too much heat goes in. And then all of a sudden it's like cracks appear in the plaster and you've got to go back six months later and touch it up and repaint this. You know, I'm not being flippant about this. I think it's a nuts, inefficient, antiquated way of building a house. You wouldn't, you wouldn't build a car in a field, would you? No, not at all. I mean, it's a, quite a process you've described there. When you, <laughs> when you actually look at all that, I'm thinking, and it, there is, there is a, an alignment I use as well in terms of home heating as well. Yeah. You, you go back, we, we like burning stuff in our houses. I mean, you go back to, you know, Neanderthal man who burned stuff in a cave. Um, well, everyone's gone mad about wood-burning stoves yeah, now, aren't they? Saying we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have them. Yeah, we burn, we burn gas in our homes. We burn oil in our homes. We like burning stuff. But, you know, we're moving over to, you know, the clean grid. And But it used to always worry me at my mum's house. I remember when I was a kid and I'd go into our little ground floor toilet and that's where the boiler was. And, and it was, there was a hole there with a pilot light. And then when I put the hot water on, the thing would go, you know, and the whole thing would ignite and you could see it. So I could put my hand in. It was mad. I was thinking, mum, is that not like a fire risk? That's like really- Nah, it's normal. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Keeps you warm when you're in the toilet. Yeah, we often talk about, imagine um, um, we don't have gas now and it comes out in the future and we're already on a low carbon grid. We're using, you know, electric heating, air source heat pumps. And then somebody comes up with the idea, let's, um, let's pipe in, some gas into your house or oil into the house and you light it, you'd think we were Mad. crazy. Yeah. yeah yes. But we, we talked in a, in a previous podcast that in years to come, they're going to look back and go, so you had cars that you were burning stuff in and then actively polluting the environment. And every morning when your kids go to school and there's a massive school run of cars everywhere, they're just chewing on toxic fumes mad isn't it incredible Incredible. it's it's bonkers and that's why i mean i'm quite excited about modern methods of construction and factory built housing because i think it's a real opportunity to change the industry i don't think it needs to threaten existing things that we do you know there's yeah there's still roles for all those traditional trades as i say i've worked on restoration man for years where we you know quality craftsmen and brilliant brickies and stonemasons fantastic we will always need them we will always need them because we've got millions and millions of buildings in this country. But I think this is a chance to revolutionize the industry, to be honest with you, to change its image, to open it up to more people who otherwise wouldn't want to be in our industry, um, create better buildings of a higher standard. You're automatically, you're automatically thinking in a different way. You're taking a kind of engineer and manufacturing approach to it. So um, uh, there's a company in Japan who I know very well, called Sekasuri, called Sekasuri House. Um, they do 55,000 factory-built houses a year. I mean, that's incredible. That's just, so, our biggest house so, builder in Britain does 15,000 houses a year, and they're doing 55,000 a year in the factory. They think we're mad when they come over here. They think we're just bonkers. It's like, why are you building houses like that? But you know, you've got to remember they've got, well, you've got Mitsubishi, Car builders, you know, you've got Toyota. The, you know, the Japanese understand the efficiencies and quality control of factories. They're brilliant at it. 
they're fantastic at it. So for them, it's just a natural progression. That's how, that's how we can build homes. And a lot of those houses are bespoke of their 55,000. So let's talk about, it's kind of related to the same subject, um, you know, different way of building homes and a different way of living in a home. Um, and the, the whole subject of um, smart homes with smart technology, which I see as um, you know, a part of the solution. The smarter your home is, obviously the, um, you can really affect the um, environmental impact. You have you know, smart yeah. controls. And- yeah, I mean, I think, I think now it's, it's just amazing, isn't it, with Wi-Fi and remote access, you know, that you can, you can be 250 miles away from your house and change the settings on your air source heat pump and your heating system. And, you know, you can record something on TV. You can, you can turn your oven on. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't do that from 250 <laughs> miles away, but do you know what I mean? If you, you, it's, it's more time saving. It's more efficient and it's more energy saving as well. And just, you know, we've made some great leaps in the last few years, you know, LED lighting, fantastic. LED lighting, brilliant. When you think the traditional light bulb, like 90% of the energy coming out of that bulb was heat. You know, you couldn't touch the bulb because it was so hot. About 10% of the energy was light. And all you wanted was light. You don't want to heat your house with your light bulb, do you? And, you know, things like that, I think, have been absolutely brilliant. And I think when it comes to, to heating your home now, the great thing about technology like air source heat pumps is it's clean tech. And that's what I think homes should be built in a factory anyway. You're not, you know, you're not laying bricks. You're not plastering walls on the inside. You're not using loads of messy wet trades. It's more engineered, clever bits of assembly. And I think an air source heat pump is the same thing, isn't it? It's a bit of intelligent kit that you connect to your house. You can do stuff with lighting. You can do stuff with security, can't you? Now with technology, it's amazing what you can do. So in terms of synergies between, let's go back to, MMC, um, and you're, you're obviously very experienced in that area in terms of an MMC house, I'm sure, same to live in, like a normal house, what you'd well, see. The criticism the industry is getting a little bit on MMC, and you've got to remember, MMC is in its very early days in terms of this current revolution that's happening. I mean, um, the first factory-built, assembled, pre-assembled house was actually done in the 1800s. And we built them in England and we sent them over to like New Zealand and Australia. Um, so they've been around for a long time, kit housing. But to build a big factory and be building housing at the yep. scale and standard that we want now is very new. So, And you've got some players in the market. You know, Barclay Homes have just um, built a factory in Ebbsfleet. Um, I'm part of Urban Splash Modular. And we work with Sekasui in Japan yep. and with Homes England because they've invested in the business as well, which is great. So that's, a, that's government investment into the company that we've got, which is really good. And um, the, the criticism is that because there's not many house types around, there's a criticism from the industry that some modular housings all starting to look the same because even in the factory that we've got, we've only got like four or five house types, but that's because we're a very young business. We've only just been around for a couple right. of years. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we need, but then I laugh about that and I go, well, to be honest, when I go past some mass housing estates, most of the houses there look the same to me, to be honest with you. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but I think that's that's the challenge for us, I think, as designers and engineers and, and factory people, if you like. It's, a, it's, a, it's about thinking very differently. You've got to think like a factory person, not like an architect. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And by doing that, the challenge then is to say, how can we have a standardized system 
but put enough flexibility into that standardized system to give variation and difference. And we're working on that now. I mean, I had a meeting on it last week where we're, we're looking at a staggering amount of R&D to try and have standardized pieces of material that can be formed into different bits of architecture. Right, okay. So let, let's just touch back on the, the differences in technology and liken that to um, heat pumps. So yeah, yeah MMC, yeah. Okay, you're not going to feel much of a difference. And we always get a synergy for us is that people say, well, what's it going to be like to, to live with? I'm used to a gas fire. Um, I'm used to, you know, oil, LPG, direct electric. What's it like? To, and I know, obviously, as brand ambassador, you have people, do you just want to... Yeah, but, also, but I think, like, we can overanalyze a bit, can't we? At the end of the day, with my air source heat pump, I either go in and change on the control panel, which I rarely do anyway, to be honest, or I can do it through my phone. And, you know, I'm not an eco-dan engineer, so I don't know the real detail of all of the bits. And why should I? Why would my mum want to know how you build your units? What she wants to know is, am I getting good, clean, affordable energy? And can I access a panel or my phone to be able to turn my heating up or turn it down. That's it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And to be honest, we do that with gas boilers now. We do it with oil fired boilers. So from a user point of view, I think it's really easy to, to look after an air source heat pump and know how to operate it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it's not like you've thrown out everything. You just know that you'll have some sort of thermostat, you'll have some sort of panel, and you make the adjustments to suit your lifestyle. But I think being the clever bit now is that you can do it remotely, you know, and I think that's really nice, isn't it? If you're, I don't know, you've gone on holiday, yeah, you might have gone off skiing somewhere and you're coming back home in January and you want that heating on when you get back in. What you don't want someone doing is coming in the house, blasting their heating up to 24 degrees because they're freezing and then realizing they've pumped too much wasteful energy into the house and they start either turning it down really quickly or opening windows. I mean, you always use the phrase about it being a kind of gentler form of heat. And yeah. I love that. So like everything just seems a bit calmer. Do you know what I mean? So you, yeah. you might be on your flight on the way back and you land at the airport. And you go, right, okay, I'll be home in an hour and a half. I'm just going to pop the heating on. I'm not going to put on 24. I'll just do it at like 18, 19. It's fine. A bit of hot water. It's great. There's like, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing worse than kind of wasting energy, is there? By, like I know people who have, turned on their hot water in a tank and forgotten to turn it off. You know what I mean? So they've gone off to work. I'm talking about an old system, you know, when they've got their massive cylinder wrapped in insulation with some rope around it and it's just constantly topping up and they're thinking, oh, God, I'm at work. And it's like, I've probably just wasted 10 quid today, you know, heating up hot water that I'm not going to use until nine o'clock tonight when I get home. So I think that's the beauty of it, that you can, you have access remotely to be able to tweak it. Well, we, th we think this kind of technology, this um, efficiency, efficient build, as you know, we've spoken in previous podcasts about future homes, um, the UK's um, pathway to net zero, um, embracing technology. We think this is all part of the um, solution for reducing emissions in, um, in UK housing stock. Yeah. Um, you know, we've touched on um, the difference between retro and new build, but in terms of the overall solution, which um, we did touch on previously, but it's probably worth going over in this podcast about our our overall vision in the UK. So you know, you've got you've got modern methods construction. We're we're looking at 
um, better ways of building, less waste. I mean, some of the waste you see on construction is incredible, unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable. Um, and using smart technologies, those things bundled up together. Are we are we doing enough? Do you think? Are we going quick enough? No. Well, I mean, we're going in the right direction, which is great. Um, as I say, there's some players out there that have taken big risks to get factories built. Um, you've got people who are pushing the boundaries more and more with ecological design and sustainability. You know, we're not doing it quick enough. You just have to look at what's being built generally out there and you think, is it really where we should be in the 21st century? Yeah, And I'm not saying all houses should look super modern and look like they've just landed from Mars. Yeah, I'm, that's not where I'm at. For me, I like traditional architecture if it's really good. I like modern architecture if it's really good. And for me, a good building is one that's genuinely sustainable and a beautiful place to live. And I think what we've talked about through all these podcasts, they all kind of stitch into each other a little bit. They're all linked. You know, factory-built housing, is that the entire answer? No, but it's a way that we can make the industry much better. Do we still need traditional skills? Absolutely. You know, do we need more affordable housing? Yes. Do we need to be building as many private rental properties? Possibly. Do we want more home ownership? Who knows? But we've got a few problems out there that we know we need to address. For me, the constant problem, the universal thing that we can agree on is climate change and all buildings of whatever form, wherever they are, however they're built, being as green and clean as possible. Unless you're a climate change denier, you know what I mean? And then, then you'll just go, oh, we don't have to do that. I think we've all moved on from that a bit, haven't we, really? And, and we've realised that it's just the right thing to do. And it isn't just about saving the planet, which is a really important thing to do, but it's also about us being cleaner, greener, more efficient, and improving our own health and comfort and well-being standards in the home. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I always say to people, it's not just about saving the world. I mean, that is very important. And any kid will tell you that and you just, you know, they've been taught that so well. It's amazing. But it's also about comfort and efficiency. What, why should we be wasteful and waste energy when we can do it in a cheaper, better, more affordable and comfortable way? George, thank you. We've covered a lot in that podcast. So there you have it. Modern methods of construction, building revolution. A huge thanks to my guest, George Clark, for coming on the show. Thanks, George. Pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Check out the other episodes in this series and please share, subscribe, rate and review the Ikadan Serious About Sustainability podcast. Until next time, goodbye.